Week six, y'all, this is week six of our frequency series. This morning, I want to talk to you about the flip side of frequency. We've been talking a lot about frequency the last five weeks. Um, those of you that are new, this is your first time with us. Here's the, here's the big idea of the entire, the entire frequency series. is that God's called us to release the sound of freedom. So we've talked about how heaven has a certain frequency and earth has a certain frequency. And lots of times we work harder, we try harder, we try to use earth's frequency to break the chains that we he have here on in earth. But we need to bring heaven's frequency. Like if you've ever seen a video of somebody singing a note and then a glass goes Psh! Well, one that's a lie cuz the, the glass doesn't go cuz I researched this all the class does is go crack <laughs> and it just splits in two right doesn't necessarily shatter but it's because this the note that was sung resonates at a certain frequency some of y'all are like he said resonates my pastor is on fire some of y'all are like google what does resonate mean right but it resonates it causes the particles literally to like and then it falls apart so what we've talked about is in scripture when we live at that higher frequency, when we bring heaven to earth, have y'all heard that before? It's in the Lord's Prayer, right? Let your kingdom come on earth as is in heaven. When we bring heaven's frequency to earth, things start to break. And I don't know if you know people that need things to break in their lives. I do. His name is Paul. I need to bring heaven's frequency to those problems, right? So... Read a book, try harder, like all, worship louder. Like those can, they're not bad things, but like let's access the frequency of heaven and bring them here. And then let's release it, the sound of freedom, right? Let's release that. So it's been really good. We've talked about how the walls of Jericho fell down because there was a shout and that they shouted in faith, in victory, something in that shout released like the resonant thing and the walls were like, they just fell down. They walked straight up. We've talked about that. We've talked about Paul and Silas in prison. It's been all kinds of things. Last week, Pastor Bridget talked about static. Y'all. And then our sound team had that amazing illustration when it went. <laughs> we were all like, oh, oh, this, oh, static will make you wet your pants, right? Like static. And, and like we got to get, get rid of the static so that we can really hear God's voice. It's just been amazing. So this morning, um, I just want to kind of. It's been, I've loved getting ready for this message. God's kind of like given me a really, a really solid big idea that I want to share with you. And they just started showing me some different things during the week. And then the last thing he showed me, I'm sitting on, in front of the TV one morning just looking at the news. And all of a sudden they cut to the launch of SpaceX's new rocket. Like it's a humongous rocket. It looks, looks huge. Anyway, the biggest one ever. And, and it lifts off and it goes up into the sky and it blew up and nobody was on it and everybody clapped I was like this is weird right like that's really they're like it was a success I was like I just saw it blow up the success was that it lifted off there was it's just another experiment right and I just man God captivated me with that image so I want to talk a, bit, a little bit about that today and if we're really really um, blessed by God I'll show you a clip from Seinfeld it'd be great Anybody here like Seinfeld? Okay, we're definitely going to work this into the message somehow because five of us are going to leave happy. 
Okay, so the flip side of frequency. Some of you, the flip side of frequency, you're like, finally, something quiet. But quiet's not the flip side of frequency, okay? Because um, I told you this is not a series about volume. The flip side of frequency is infrequency. So here's your big idea. If you're a note taker, just jot this down. What we do frequently establishes our current frequency. What we do frequently, I think Seth even touched on this when he preached. He's like, what, what frequency do you frequent, right? What you do frequently establishes your current frequency. Repetition, I'm just going to give you, um, okay, well, let, let's, read, let's read Daniel 6 first, and then we'll walk through some, some takeaways. Daniel 6, verses 1 through 10, I'm going to ask you to stand as we read the word. You may have heard this story before. It's about Daniel in the lion's den. May I remember this from, is anybody here um, mature enough to have seen this with flannel board? Okay. You know, don't tell anybody, flannel board's making a comeback. People wearing it, it's called flannel. <laughs> you stick, stick stuff on people. Okay, Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Darius the Mede divided the, decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. I don't have time to go into this, but if you work in a job that is secular in, nat in nature and you're a follower of Jesus, the reason that Daniel was elevated is because it says earlier in the book that he had the mo a most excellent spirit. He had a spirit of excellence in him. Guess who the spirit of excellence is? Well, it's Jesus, but it's the Holy Spirit, the spirit that sets you apart. So if you're working in a place that's like not honoring God and you want to honor God, man, give him everything you've got and he'll elevate you. That's exactly what happened here. You're like, great, I'll get a raise. Well, let's keep reading. <laughs> See what happens. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was always faithful, always responsible, completely trustworthy, never stole paper from the office. Oh, that wasn't in there. I'm sorry. Verse 5. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. I mean, do people say that about us? We want to take Paul down. But we can't find anything he's doing wrong. So we'll have to find something in the way that he honors God that we can use against him. That's what they just said about Daniel. Verse 6, so the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius, suck-ups. We are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. 
And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. That sounds like really um, religious stuff, but historically, if it was a law of the Medes and Persians, it couldn't be revoked. Literally, they couldn't go back and go, yeah, our bad. It, was, it stood. So King Darius signed the law. Verse 10, this is our, our verse. But, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Today, God, I ask that you would help me just to clearly communicate how important it is that we do frequently what you've called us to do and that that is what establishes our ability to hear you. So open our eyes, God, to see ourselves in light of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, grab a seat, tell the person next to you to listen because this is about them. Some of y'all are like, I know he's just joking. It's really about me. You're right. So can I give you three takeaways? Three takeaways. Um, Russ, if you'll get that first video ready, um, here's the takeaway number one. Repetition leads to recognition. If you're here today, by the way, and you don't love Jesus, you just got like somebody tricked you into coming to church. Sometimes when you get tricked into going to church, you listen to the preacher preach, and you're like, I'm not getting anything out of this. And the reason you're not getting anything out of it is because it's all about Jesus, and it should be all about Jesus. But sometimes you can hear stuff in the Bible, even if you don't love Jesus, and you'll be like, ooh, that's, that's good. That's good. Like, I can use that. Some of this, if you're not following Jesus, I'm going to make your life better today. Because some of these principles are just principles that you can use every single day. Repetition leads to recognition. We tend to remember what we repeat. John 10 verse 4 says this. After he had gathered his own flock, he being Jesus, he walks ahead of them. He's talking about how he's the shepherd. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. Um, I want you to watch this. I found this video. You, maybe you've seen it on YouTube um, of just an experiment somebody did about sheep and the shepherd's voice.
Repetition leads to recognition. How many times have I said that? <laughs> One more time. Repetition leads to recognition. What we do often we remember, right? So listen to this. A little consistently is better than a lot occasionally. Sometimes we like we feel like we're far from God, and so we just give him a whole bunch. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to watch TV for three days. I'm going to go to every revival service. I'm going to give you a whole bunch. And we do all that in a just really short amount of time. And then we don't touch God for the next two months. And then we do it again. We just walk away. The reason why the sheep know the shepherd's voice is because they're around the shepherd. They hear the voice all the time. Like, the first three people who I'm sure thought this was like some kind of a practical joke, and apparently it was, they don't, the sheep don't know those voices. If you don't recognize the voice of God, it's because you're not around him enough. It's as simple as that. Repetition leads to recognition. Here's your second takeaway. We'll never reap what we didn't plant. These are really good. I'm, I mean, I didn't, this is God, right? I'm not that smart. I'm just going, wow, that's true. We'll never reap what we didn't plant. Daniel 6, verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and filled out his petition to file against the evil government. Is that what it says? He went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows closed, bolted, shades pulled down. Shh, don't say anything too loud. His windows opened toward Jerusalem, and he prayed three times a day just as he had always done giving thanks to his God. I want you to recognize that what happened in Daniel's life when he was persecuted the first thing he did when he was persecuted was the same thing he did every day in freedom. If, if you're not consistently sowing a life of faithfulness with God, when persecution comes, you're not suddenly going to be like, oh, there's the plant of what I need. Our ability to hear God grows as we are willing to be near God. Now, listen, the merciful nature of God is that he does often answer what I call flare prayers. Have you ever prayed those? God, I don't really know you, but I'm in a pickle here, and I just need you to come through. And he graciously answers those. You've heard people give testimonies like, we call it, some people call them foxhole prayers, right? If you get me out of this jam, God, I will serve you the rest of my life. And I've heard people give those testimonies who are now serving God with the rest of their lives. Like, he's a good God, y'all. He's not up in heaven going, well, you didn't pray that just right. Like when you're trying to find a cell signal, right, on a mountaintop, and you're like, don't, don't move. You found it. Don't move a muscle. This is the only place I can use it. He's not like that. He hears our prayers. But Daniel didn't have to throw up a flare prayer. 
because he prayed every day, three times a day, as usual, in his upstairs room with the windows open so whoever walked by was going to hear him. I, I, I was telling Wendy that while I was preparing for this, the part of that story that jumped out at me, I don't know why I've never noticed this before, was it was a 30-day law. 30 days. I mean, what would we have done? Wouldn't we have been tempted to say, God, you know I love you. It's just for 30 days. I'll talk to you on day 31. 30 days, y'all. Man, there are people that took a break from God and not come back yet. And it was just going to be for a couple months. We will never reap what we didn't plant. This is going to sound a little harsh, but I believe it's true scripturally because he said that we will reap what we sow. The life you have with God is the life with God you planted. You have exactly what you planted. I have exactly what I planted. If I have a Christian experience that I never, I rarely ever really recognize the voice of God, it's not because I'm in the wrong church. It's not because I have the wrong pastor or I married the wrong person or I'm in a wrong job. It's because I've not consistently listened to the voice of God. I have planted an inconsistent life that has resulted in inconsistent fruit. And now to the last one. Some of you are like, this is record time. Paul is on an amazing pace right now. But this is the longest one. Are you okay? So why don't we just change? Right? Because I, like, I feel like I've given you some solid truth, right? And some of you, I've even, you even write it down. Why, why don't we change? And here's why. It's hard to stop doing what's easy. Isn't it true? It's hard to stop doing what's easy. Like you're hearing me say, and you're like, I I'm going to get more intentional in my prayer time. I'm going to get more intentional like in, in the word. I'm going to hang out with better people. Like right now in this room, some of you are making decisions, and, and, and they're great decisions. And then tomorrow's Monday, right? And so maybe next Sunday you come back and you're like, God, remember last, last week, God, I said I was going to do this, and it's been a week. I haven't done anything. Why is that? And it's because it's hard to stop doing what's easy. It takes a lot of intentional effort to break out of the gravitational pull. So turn to the person next to you and say, Paul's fixing to turn into a, a nerd. <laughs> um, just so you know, I heard those of you that said, fixing to? I heard that. I heard you say it. Yeah, yeah, I heard it. So I'm watching the... Um, Somebody tell me what the name of this, this new SpaceX rocket was. Does anybody know? I can't remember now. Like, Gigantor. Sure, let's go with that. <laughs> I'm watching this humongous rocket take off. And, and I've always heard that, uh, that when a rocket launches, most of the fuel is used at launch. To, and if you've seen, and y'all seen rockets launch, right? And it's just like, it's just sitting there and all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> tons of smoke, fire, fuel, all that stuff. And then the rocket just goes, 
You're like, for all that just happened, it should be like, right? But it, it's just very slow. So I start, I start Googling because I'm kind of nerding out a little bit. And I'm like, I, like I, I'm Googling, like, how much fuel is used at launch and how much energy does it take to get a rocket up? And so I found, um, y'all, I found some amazing phrases that I never thought I would say. Orbital altitude, orbital velocity, and escape velocity. And here's what I found out. Of all the fuel that a rocket has, it uses 10%. It takes 10% of the rocket's fuel for the rocket to get to orbital altitude. It's like, that sounds like something to do with the eye, right? Orbital altitude. What in the world is that? Orbital altitude is how high something has to get to be able to orbit the earth. So it takes 10%. You with me? Y'all okay? It takes 10% to get that high. But it takes 90% to make sure that when the rocket gets that high, this is why rockets don't go straight up. They go straight up and they curve because they have to pick up enough velocity, orbital velocity. <laughs> See? So that when they hit orbital altitude, they're going fast enough to stay in orbit. 90% of the fuel was used to make sure the rocket's going fast enough. I went to Bible camp. <laughs> Big deal. I'm glad you went to youth camp and God touched you there. But you didn't invest any fuel to make sure that when you got to that new level, you could stay at that new level. It's hard to stop doing what's easy. It's kind of easy to go to youth camp and be surrounded by a bunch of Jesus crazy people. And you start singing and praying like, ooh, I could do this for the rest of my life. But then you just come back down. Because you didn't invest any energy to go fast enough so you could stay at a new level. <laughs> you ever heard the expression, new level, new devil? How about new level, more effort? We, we, that doesn't rhyme, and it also makes us feel squirrely on the inside. Oh, he just said effort. Ooh, that's like legalistic. Can I just drop some verses on you? Haggai 2, verse 4. I'm going to read these way too fast for you to write them all down. I'll try, I'll try to say the reference slow. Haggai 2, 4. But now the Lord says, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people still left in the land. And now get to work. For I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Mark 13, 34, the coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do. The work they were to do. And he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work. How often? Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. He's not looking for grumpy workers. He wants the people that can work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Is this too much scripture for y'all? Of course it is, because now you can't say it was just me. Right? This is God's word, y'all. Colossians 4.12, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greeting. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. Anybody in the room ever wrestled? I did one day in ninth grade in PE class. 
you wrestle for three minutes. My wrestling experience was I tried really hard for 10 seconds. He pinned me, and I stayed there. And I was still tired. Wrestlers, um, much respect, right? Wrestling is hard work. We read that like, oh, Epaphras, what a great guy. He's always praying for you. He's wrestling in prayer for you. Philippians 2, 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 2 Timothy 4, 5. Y'all okay? It's a lot of scripture. So make sure you get this. The idea of us putting effort into our salvation, not to save ourselves, right? We did nothing to save ourselves, but now that we are saved, guess what God actually asks us to do? Yeah, like do something, y'all. That's what he says. We're just praying for you to move. And he's like, um, I did move. <laughs> Your turn, right? 2 Timothy 4, 5, but you... Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Well, I will tell people about Jesus when I feel like I'm supposed to. Then it wouldn't have been called work. Do the work. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. And here's, and I love this, y'all. Mark chapter 16, verse 20. We just heard all these things about work. And, and I know it kind of rubs us wrong because we just feel like, well, it's just, if I really love Jesus, I should just want to do stuff. And, and I think sometimes that happens when it becomes part of your orbit. But when you're reaching the altitude, when you're reaching the next level and you're trying to make sure you're going fast enough to stay at that level, it can feel like a lot of work. In Mark 16, 20, I love this because we're not the only ones working. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them. And confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Man, we don't work alone, y'all. We do the work, but he's working through us. Escape velocity, right? So here's, I, I mean, I do think the Lord has taken the church to a new level. And so, like, we're, but if you, if you get in a rocket ship and you, like, all the stuff and you get to, like, that velocity where you can orbit, you're still orbiting the earth. Yes? Did you know that if you slow the speed down, that's when things that are in orbit begin to come out of orbit. That's when they send out, like, news alert, there's a satellite going to fall somewhere. Great. Just, is it going to be here? Is it going to be there? Because it slowed down. It didn't stay in orbit. But, but I, I even went one step further. Like, I was really nerding out. What if I don't want to just get to orbital velocity? What if I actually want to escape gravitational pull? And it's a thing called escape velocity. Did you know this? I'd never heard of this. Kim, I'm, I'm always watching Kim, Kim. Kim's like, Paul, I've known all this. I even know the things that you're going to know next week that you don't know now. Escape velocity is how fast something has to go in order to escape gravitational pull. And what I found out was it's the same speed for everything. It doesn't matter if it's a rocket, if it's a rock. If I could pick you up and throw you this fast, you also would get out of the gravitational pull. Some of y'all are like, I've thought about throwing people out of gravitational pull, right? 
And here it is, just if you're taking notes and you want to be a super smart person, it's 11.2 kilometers a second. 11.2 kilometers a second. It's hard to wrap our brains around how fast that was. I went to the gym yesterday and I ran a 10K. I know, it's impressive. I know. And it, it, it was not that fast. It took me over an hour to run a 10K, and you have to go 11.2 kilometers, which is faster than this, how far I ran yesterday, in a second. You got to go that fast. You have to achieve that speed if you want to break out of the gravitational pull of the Earth. If you're, at the, if you're on the moon, it has everything to do with, like, how big the planet is, the thing is you want to get off of. If you're at the moon, you don't have to go that fast because the moon's not as big as the Earth. But if we want to get off the Earth's gravitational pull, we have to go 11.2 kilometers a second. And here's the thing. If you went 11.1, 11, 10.9, you're going fast. And you're still going to reach a spot where gravity is going to reach up and just pull you slowly back down. Why do we need the power of the Holy Spirit? Because you and I can't go that fast. We can't just willpower our way out of the gravitational pull of the easy things that we have been doing for years. You can right now, and I hope that today you make, I'm going to call you to make a decision, to make a plan, to tomorrow maybe do something you haven't done in a long time. Open up your Bible and read it. Maybe you've been reading it. I'm not saying that you haven't been. I'm just saying I know that from statistics, statistically speaking, most people that go to church don't read the Bible. So you can make a decision right now. I'm going to be a man or a woman or a young person of the word. And in here, in this environment, it's easy to make that decision. But tomorrow, the gravitational pull of the old habit starts to pull us back down. We need the Holy Spirit's power so we can actually do what he's telling us he wants us to do. Can we just take a quick break here? Can I show you a Seinfeld clip? I'm pretty sure it fits, but I just think, I'm looking at your faces. I think we just need a break, right? So um, one of my favorite characters in Seinfeld is George. Love George, and this is um, something that he he tried and learned, and I think it will help us. Every decision I've ever made in my entire life has been wrong. <laughs> my life is the complete opposite of everything I want it to be. Every instinct I have in every aspect of life, be it something to wear, something to eat, it's often wrong. <laughs> Tuna on toast, coleslaw, cup of coffee. Yeah. No, no, no. Wait a minute. I always have tuna on toast. Nothing's ever worked out for me with tuna on toast. <laughs> I want the complete opposite of tuna on toast. Chicken salad on rye, <laughs> untoasted, with a side of potato salad, and a cup of tea. <laughs> well, there's no telling what can happen from this. <laughs> you know, chicken salad's not the opposite of tuna. Salmon's the opposite of tuna, because salmon swim against the current, and the tuna swim with it. Good for the tuna. Uh, George, you know that woman just looked at you. So what? What am I supposed to do? Go talk to her. Elaine, bald men with no jobs and no money who live with their parents <laughs> don't approach strange women. 
Well, here's your chance to try the opposite. Instead of tuna salad and being intimidated by women, chicken salad and going right up to them. Yeah, I should do the opposite. I should. If every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. Yes. I will do the opposite. I used to sit here and do nothing and regret it for the rest of the day. So now I will do the opposite and I will do something. Excuse me, uh, I couldn't help but notice that you were looking in my direction. Oh, yes, I was. You just ordered the same exact lunch as me. My name is George. I'm unemployed and I live with my parents. I'm Victoria, hi. <laughs> It's hard to stop doing what's easy, right? So what I'm calling you to do is to evaluate your walk with the Lord and maybe do the opposite of everything you've been doing. Instead of coming to church and hoping that me or Pastor Bridget or Pastor or whoever's preaching, maybe instead of coming once a week and hoping that we feed you such an amazing meal that you don't have to read the Bible the rest of the week, Maybe start reading the Bible every day, right? Feeding yourself. Maybe instead of hoping that we play the song that you love, maybe start listening to worship in the car instead of that talk radio stuff that just gets you riled up. Right? Maybe do the opposite. Maybe just give it a shot. And here's why that's so important. Because I'm going to ask you today to get intentional about what you're going to do next. And here's why that's so important. I, I, I heard about a study that was done in the UK. They took a whole bunch of people and they divided them into three groups. And they asked the first group, we're going to ask you to make a commitment to start exercising. And the first group said, okay, we'll do it. We will make a commitment to start exercising. They asked the second group, we want you to also make a commitment to start exercising, but would you also commit to reading books and articles about the benefits of exercise? And they were like, Yes. And then it said, they said to the third group, we want you to make a commitment to start exercising. We also want you to read about the benefits of exercising. But we'd also like you to make a decision about when and where you will exercise. And here's what they found out. Of the first two groups combined, only one-third of those people started exercising. But of the third group, 91% started exercising. Because they didn't just, listen, I know you don't see things the way I do. But when I hear that study, here's what I think of. I think of people who make a commitment to Jesus. Who listen to a lot of podcasts, read some scripture, read about the benefits of Jesus. But never make a plan to actually do what they're reading about. And that might be what's missing. That's the flip side of frequency, is if we were infrequent in what we do with Jesus, we're never going to hear his voice. John 13, 17, it's one of my favorite passages as a pastor, says this, Jesus is speaking. He says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And when I hear that study, I think that's what set 91% apart from all those other people. 
is that they knew things, they knew the benefit of exercising, but then they actually did it, right? They set a time and a place, and they did it. So today, instead of saying, tomorrow I'll read the Bible, why don't you say to yourself, tomorrow when I get up and I have my coffee, I will read the Bible, right? Make a time, make a place, be intentional. That's what helps us break out of the gravitational pull of so many of the things in our lives that keep trying to thwart what God's trying to do in our lives. Now, I got one last video, and um, band, if y'all want to come on up, you can. When I was when I was looking at sheep video, because I can just get so caught up in all, I just love it. Like, I just love how that one farmer was just like, yeah, whatever he said, and they're just like, and they start going, I love that. I found one more video. I wanted to close with this because I knew that when we talk about this stuff, it, it, it can be easy to sit here and think of all the reasons why you can't do it, right? All, man, I, I feel so far from God right now. I can't even, I'm not sure I can even hear his voice. And I just want to show you one final video, and then I'll call you to respond. always one would you close your eyes what struck me about that video is that the shepherd's voice is able to call us out of the fog and he's calling some of us out of the fog today
I don't know what your fog is. I don't. I mean, I don't know what has you up on a hillside wondering where that shepherd is. Where is God? And his voice cuts through all that stuff and calls us home. When I when I watched that video, I kept thinking about, and I don't even know the name of the hymn, but it's like softly and tenderly Jesus is calling. Come home. Come home. All who are weary, come home. And I want to call you to that this morning. This might be a call to salvation for some in the room, some watching. I know for a fact that it's a call to his children because his sheep know his voice. And he's calling to his sheep this morning. He's calling you out of the fog that you've been in. And some of y'all are in a fog. I love you. Some of you are in a fog of your own making. He's still calling. Some of you are in a fog that somebody else made and put you in. He's still calling. He doesn't, it doesn't matter to him how the fog got there. What matters is, do you hear him calling you right now home? He's stirring passions in you that haven't been stirred in a long time. And he's telling you this morning, it's going to take some effort on your part to get out of where you've been. But I'm providing the fuel. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit to break you out of where you are. And he's just asking you to respond.